G'day friends, welcome back. Well, once again, we go through another round of this amazing 2023 season and we've got no fucking idea who the, who the best team is, who is most likely to win the whole thing. We got no clue. We got teams absolutely flying who aren't going to finish in the top four and it's very difficult to get the job done from outside the top four. We got Melbourne who are probably the best team in the top four at the moment, but now their their forward structure that they seem to have just figured out and might have just fallen in a hole. Collingwood, probably the best team in the comp, but they've lost their best player um, until probably the prelim final. So uh, it, it just gets more and more interesting and exciting every single week. Let's get into it. <laughs> There's only one game we can start this weekend or this um, weekend's review off with, and that's Hawthorne and Collingwood. This is the upset of the year. There's been a, a number of pretty crazy upsets, but this is wild. Hawthorne knocking off the pies um, comfortably in the end. Um, five goals. I couldn't believe it. I was in seeing Oppenheimer and on Saturday afternoon, and I came out and... This had happened. I couldn't believe it. Um, th this is the third team who are currently in the top eight. I've got St Kilda on my mind who are currently in the top eight, who, who Hawthorne have beat this year. They've beaten St Kilda, they've beaten Brisbane, and now they've beaten Collingwood. That They are the master of the upset, and they're definitely, you know, they're not playing like a bottom four team. They're going to finish where they are um, in 16th place, but gee whiz, they're playing excellent football um uh, the ability to start a game really well helps they had five goals on the board before collingwood could fire a shot back they were killing them from clearances i think it ended up being 18 to 3 or something i think it was center clearances um which is wild which is wild that collingwood got belted by that much from clearance in a game um and and the pies were getting the pies were frustrated because there was a good scuffle in this game, a little bit of a punch on, which is always a little bit of fun. Um, I thought the pies were oh just a little bit complacent. They did not seem switched on at all. Not having any plan for Sicily is just you, I don't care who you are. When you come up against the Hawks, you have to do something about Sicily. He he was dominant. Again, he's done this so many times this year. He did it at St. He did it to St. Kilda the first time, and we learned our lesson. We, our whole game plan the second time coming up against Hawthorne was about dealing with Sicily, and it was effective. And Collingwood were just a little bit cavalier about it. I think I think they thought they were pretty hot shit, um, and they didn't they didn't have any plan for him. He had thirty seven touches or something, and a bunch of intercepts like he always does. He was really dominant. 
and and in defense, I thought the pies were really lazy as well. Like a lot of um, a lot of times, Hawthorne would take a mark inside fifty, but then they could quite easily pass it off to another Hawthorne player in a better position. That happened a few times, and that's just lazy defending. This is only the fourth time since the start of last year that Collingwood have conceded more than 100 points, which is wild. Um, so, yeah, they were, they were really lazy in defense in this game, I thought. But where Hawthorne won the game, the Dacos tag, Finn McGuinness, bravo, that's a real tag. None of this like, like run with nullify. There's all these different terms that coaches like to use and the media likes to use. The, they avoid the word tag because none of what really happens anymore is a hard tag. You don't. It it almost never happens nowadays because coaches just don't like to do it. I don't. I don't understand why. Like I understand why they say they don't want to do it, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, oh, I'm sacrificing your game plan. We've got to trust our system, blah, 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 blah. When the opposition has a player who is like Nick Dacos or is their most dominant midfielder or is their most dominant whatever, if you've got a Sicily, you've got to have a plan to totally eliminate their influence from the game. Right, if they're a key forward, you've got to come up with something different than then if they're a midfielder, if they're a defender, whatever. But usually it's a midfielder, right? Usually it's a Bontempelli. Usually it's a Merritt. It's it's a whoever you want, right? A Lockie Neal, yeah? You've got to have a plan. You can't just let them do whatever they want and just assume that your plan will work better than their plan. It might, but if you want to be certain, do something about it. Clubs need to work on having a player that can do this. Even if that player doesn't play every single week. You've got 45 players on your list or however many. Surely one of them can be this kind of specialist, yeah? Even if they're only there to play 14 games a year. When you're coming up against a team who has someone like a Dacos who you just cannot afford to let to do whatever they want. You need to tag them, right? Finn McGuinness, you're coming in, right? This is your job in this team. This is like, and, you know, you're asking a lot of this player to not, you know, probably play the, the way they want to play all of the time. But in a team, that's your role. Clubs need to have this kind of player. And I think a lot of clubs probably do have a player who can do this or has the ability to learn how to do this. They're just too scared to use it a lot of the time. Um, there's been a number of attempts this year to tag Dacos. Um, none of them have worked this well. He, he barely touched the ball. They put him to full forward. He got a goal from a free kick. I think he got two of his touches from free kicks and maybe one from a kick-in as well. So he had no influence on the game. None. Every single time he went near the ball, McGuinness would just jump on him like a drop bear. Every time Dacos got his hands on the ball, he didn't have a chance to get rid of it because he was wrapped up in a McGuinness tackle. Um, that's one of the best tags I've seen in a long time. That was so impressive. Just perfectly done. Perfectly done. 
Um, and to add insult to injury, or perhaps the other way around, he's done his knee, where he's got a hairline fracture in his knee. Dacos, six weeks. It's the He'll be back for the prelim. They don't need to win the flag without him. They need to get to the prelim without him. That's the challenge for Collingwood now. And they got a few other things which aren't going perfectly. So it's going to be tough. But that's what they got to do now. They're still going to finish on top. Um, they they just got to get all. The, they just got to you know really just got to win that qualifying final. Whoever it ends up being against, the way things are going, it's probably going to be Port Adelaide. Beat Port Adelaide at the G. Something they've done twice already this year. Beating Port Adelaide, that is. Get to the prelim. Dacos will be back. They're not going to rush him back for the qualifying final. This isn't like this isn't like a muscular strain, which if they're really careful, they can, you know, heal faster than projected, or it'll heal faster because he's young. This is a hairline fracture. This is a bone injury. This is like there's no miracles that'll see him back earlier. If he does come in for the qualifying final, he's probably going to be a little bit underdone. You would think. And they've got to weigh up, you know, how much value does a, you know, a 70% Nick Dacos have over 100% whoever else. So um, it'd be interesting if they do that, that's for sure. But yeah, to just just got to get through the next few weeks to the end of the season, get through the qualifying final, most likely against Port, and then he'll be back. But this is the most unlucky injury that any club could have suffered. Like, he's the best player in the competition. It now makes the Brownlow count one of the best ever. Like, what what is going to happen? Because, you're like, you would think, okay, Bontempelli's probably the next best or probably has the next most votes, but there's also Petrarca who would have a lot of votes. Butters, I think, will have had plenty of three-vote games. I don't know how many ones and twos he'd have. So Butters will be in the 20s, but probably he's you know, very low 20s or around that 20 vote mark. So I don't think it's going to be him. Um, yeah, it, ju- it just makes it super interesting now. Super interesting. And there might be other players who we think are maybe around that high teens, around that 20 vote mark, who have picked up a few extras somewhere else. So yeah, at this stage, it is definitely an unpredictable Brownlow count that we're in for. Yes, but... um. Yeah, any teams coming up against the Hawks in the next three weeks, look out for Finn McGuinness. I think it's the Dogs this week. So does he go to Bontempelli? Very different sort of player, excuse me, than Dacos is. A little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit more experienced. Um, But McGuinness is a big boy as well. So I'll be fascinated to see if they go with that matchup. Again, alrighty, let's go on to the Battle of the Bridge, the Giants and the Swans. God, is Sydney going to make the eight? What's going on? What is going on here? Um, Look, it helps when you kick 12 straight before missing. Um, That definitely helps. So the, the, the Swans, the Sydneys, the Swans ended up with 15 6 to GWS's 12-13. The first 12 of Sydney's goals were just goals. They didn't miss, um, yeah, their first 12 shots, which which is very impressive. It's definitely a little bit lucky. Um, 
because the Giants were probably the better team. It was a pretty even game, I thought. The Giants were maybe a little bit better. Um, Sydney just kicked really straight, which, you know, it's, it's, it is it's the most important stat in the game is the score. Like, that's, that's it. Like, the team with the most disposals doesn't win the game. The team with the most clearances doesn't win the game. The team with the most contested possessions doesn't win the game. It's the team with the highest score. So kicking straight in front of goal is what you need to do to give yourself a good chance of doing that. Um, another thing that helps is tagging, well, not tagging, but shutting down Sam Taylor. So it was an Amati McLean um, tag team wombo combo that they got him with, and it was quite effective, quite effective. Um, you know, they're, they're both big strong boys who can take a mark. So, yeah, they, they basically just tag-teamed him and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot he could do and it was quite, you know, a, a good plan, I thought. Like, he doesn't have, you know, a masterful, brilliant, powerful key forward down there anymore horse. So he's he's got to see what he's got with these boys that are down there. You know, McDonald's may very well become... The next big thing, it's Sydney, but Amadi and McLean are doing quite well in the interim, and this is a really good job uh, from the two of them, as well as being able to hit the scoreboard. So that was really good. Errol Goulden as well, just an unbelievable game. He's he's very very quickly moving up the ranks in you know in terms of where he sits as a midfielder in this competition, as an overall player in this competition. Um, just about every week. He's having a blinder. Um, kicked a real contender for goal of the year as well. Ran the length of the ground, basically. Um, had a couple of possessions in that chain. Ended up with it. And then just th- that that kick from very deep in the pocket, almost on the boundary line, just um, after having run all that way, really impressive. Uh, the Giants uh, ended their, their winning streak, which is a shame because they were looking really, really good. Um, I don't know who they've got this week and then the subsequent two weeks. Let me just have a quick look. So they go, oh, they got to go to Adelaide and play Port this week. Essendon in Sydney next week. And then, they, yeah, they got the Blues in the last game of the season. Um Gee whiz, suddenly they might not make it. Suddenly they might not make it. Who knows what Sydney going to be able to do? Gee whiz, gee whiz. They really sort of needed to win this game despite having won seven in a row. This is a must win, this is a must win somehow. Um, who knows, they might still be all right, but this may cost them. Who knows? That'd be a real shame because they're playing awesome footy. They're playing awesome footy. They're so good to watch. Um, they welcomed back Tom Green, um, who just went back to doing what he does, 38 touches, 20 contested, um, and 10 tackles, which is just such a Tom Green game. He was pretty good. Um, but gee whiz, yeah, you can't do much when your opposition just just kicks so perfectly in front of goal. It'd be really frustrating to really be doing everything in your power to win a game, but every single time the other team goes down there, they just don't miss. So... Um, yeah, it's just a it's just a bummer. Hopefully the Giants can hang on and still play finals because I'd love to see what they can do 
in September. I reckon they'd be able to do a bit of damage. Okay, let's do Friday night. The dogs in Richmond. What happened here? What happened to the Tigers? Oh, that they are really young. Richmond, like they've got like six or eight players who are like so young, babies. A lot of them, like just just a lot of kids. They they had a lot of experience out as well. Martin Cochin, blah blah blah. Um, and look, the game was over at quarter time. Um, Richmond were pretty competitive after quarter time, but the dogs just blew them apart like nine goals or something, whatever it was, in the first quarter. They were just way too good. Um, Bont and Belly. Now, as I said, big chance for the Brownlow. We'll see if McGuinness can tag him and keep him to no votes this weekend. That'll be interesting. He would have got himself three votes on Friday night, I'm sure. 32 touches, three goals, 16 contested possessions, nine tackles. Like he, he was, He's had an unbelievable season. He has had an amazing season. He's had an amazing career, and he's, he's in his prime right now. What would he be, 28 this year? Um, yeah, and he's, he's, he's just been a Goliath for them. I'm, I'm so interested to see if they go with McGuinness on him, just to see if he can be stopped as well, because he's, he's such a powerful and damaging player. And unlike Dacos, he could go to full forward and still damage. So that'll be fascinating. But yeah, he's just he's just in career form. Um Jamara kicked another bag. He's he's really starting to explode. Big, big breakout year for him. He was excellent again in English. I think we've got Errol Australian Ruckman. I think it's gonna be Tim English. Um has sort of spent the last few years as like a top ten Ruckman but really just sort of floated around that top 10 range and has just gone to another level this year for sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if he is the best Ruckman in the competition. It's probably still Gorn, but, you know, Gorn's first, most of his first half of the year, he was sharing the role with Grundy and that affected how damaging he could be. English has been really consistent all year. He was great again on the weekend. He hits the scoreboard. Um He's going to be the All-Australian Ruckman. I would be amazed if he isn't. I don't think Briggs has played enough games to even get into the squad. So people clamouring for that. I don't think uh, that'll be happening. Frio and Brisbane. This is, gee whiz, big scare for the Lions. There's a couple of scares this weekend. The other one I'm going to get to in a minute. Um... Gee, Frio. Oh, it'll be so frustrating being a Freo fan, this is a wasted year. I don't believe that there's no such thing as a wasted year. When you see what they've done in the last two weeks, they beat Geelong and Geelong, and they went all the way with Brisbane. They've finally discovered that their speed is their weapon. They've got so many fast, talented players. Now they've started to use them in that way. Uh, it's frustrating. They could have been playing like this all year, but they've now just suddenly figured out that this is how they can play. One thing I will say that I have learned about Fremantle this year, the, the Jackson trade, I think it's been pretty obvious since early in the season that it's going to be a, a net win for the Dockers. Like I know that Melbourne are going to end up with a very good draft pick out of it um, with 
Frio's first pick this year, and they would have. It, there was a one or two other picks involved as well. Um, but gee whiz, Jackson is playing some seriously good football. And if Sean Darcy was to go to another club at any point, um, I think he could definitely. Like he's still so young. He's still so young. It's only his f- uh, fourth season, third season. Was it twenty twenty one two? Three. This is his third season. Is that right? <laughs> this is only his third season. Um, imagine what he's going to be after he's done six seasons. I think he could become gone quite comfortably. He is such an athlete for his size. He's got no problems kicking goals. He can cover the ground. Once his ruck craft develops a little bit more, he will be... In five years' time, he might be the number one ruckman in the competition. When, you know, English is getting on a bit and Darcy is getting on a bit. Darcy's a little bit younger. You know, he'll he'll be a very good ruckman for a bit longer than like English and, and Marshall. These guys are like 27, 28. Um, in five years' time, Jackson's still only going to be 27 or 26. I don't know how old he is. Um Imagine how good he's going to be. He he is playing unreal football, and if Fremantle can hang on to him for the rest of his career, um, this will be an enormous win for them. This trade, uh, but yeah, gee, just seeing how good they've been the last couple of weeks, and seeing the tenacity with which they've been playing, it's it's pretty disappointing. I think from a Fremantle point of view, they need another key forward. They've got they've got a miss. Who, who I think is going to be a gun. Then they got all of these other ones, right? They got Sturt, they've got Tracy, they've got Corbett, they've got Tabiner, who's, you know, old anyway and is always injured. They need someone else, right? I don't think it's Jackson. I think Jackson is born to be a ruckman and he may have to be if Darcy goes somewhere this year as a pre-agent. Excuse me again. Um, so yeah, I think they need to find whether they go to the draft. They can go to the draft. That's fine. If they want to draft another key forward, go for your life. Um, problem is they haven't got an early pick. <laughs> so I think their first pick's in the third round, um, which is not ideal. So, you know, maybe they want to look at free agency or trade. You know, maybe, you know, if they are going to, you know, lose Darcy... Maybe they don't go for a draft. You know, they either go for a draft pick if they've got something in mind, or they could go shopping for a key forward who wants to go to Fremantle and trade Darcy for him. So um, that is one thing I think they need because yeah, a-, a miss is already a very good player. He'll be a good player for a long time, but they're not going to be able to score heavily with just him and all the smalls around him. Tabana can't do it. His body's just totally giving up on him. And I don't, like, Tracy is, is he, he might be a good, like, third tall. He's not super tall, sort of like a medium. I don't, I don't really know what he is. Um, he's it's sort of like an, at an awkward size. Like, if he's that size, he probably needs to be more agile, and he's kind of not, I don't know. Um, and the five thing was never, <laughs> never going to be a thing. So um, another key forward uh, for Fremantle, I think, would help. And if they can keep playing like this, as they go into next year, who knows? Maybe they'll be good again. Um, Brisbane, something I was just—I just—I didn't catch all of this game. Caught little bits and pieces. Um, they took hundred and twenty marks. 
That's a lot. Their average this year has been just under 100, and the competition average is about 90. So 120 is a lot. They were trying to control the game, obviously, um, they, which is not something they, they tend to do to this degree, as you can tell, like 20 more marks than they usually take. Um, probably trying to combat Frio's speed by trying to control the ball a little bit more. The little bits I did say they were very effective with their kick mark game. So, you know, maybe that's something they can utilize going into finals if they need to, you know, control the tempo of a game, especially against like a Collingwood who can be so explosive. Um, let's do St Kilda and Carlton. So, obviously super disappointed by the result. We started so well, so good in the first half in that second quarter especially. But once again, we are just a mentally weak team. Got no problem saying that about my team. We are mentally weak. Um, I've got real questions about our leadership group and the effect that they have are able to have in game. Steele is is one of the all-time great St Kilda players, and he will continue to be. But I just don't know if he is the choice for captain. I love him to death. Don't know if he's the captain. I, I won't be surprised if next year they go with Wilkie or Sinclair. Um, there was a moment in the game. Uh, what game were we at the other week? The North Melbourne game. Is that right? Yeah, we went to the North Melbourne game the other week. The one where I got fucking pissed off because we were playing so poorly. Um, and in the first quarter, I think it was um, Gresham... It was a North Melbourne ball going inside 50, and basically the entire team was in our defensive 50, and Gresham needed to be filling this hole, right? And he just didn't. He wasn't switched on. The ball went inside. North Melbourne took an easy mark. I think they took a chess mark. Sinclair ripped him to pieces. He, We, we were about 30 metres away from this. We were, we were in the, you know pretty close to the front, and he was just going off. He saw red. Like, he he demanded better in that moment. I was like, gee whiz. Like, I knew Sinks was a leader out there, but I had never seen him get so animated as he did there. Like, he was furious. And I was like, fuck yeah, tell him. Let's have some standards out there. I don't know where the standards were in the second half for us on the weekend because we just hit a wall and just couldn't find anything. We were getting just fucking smashed around the ball. Like I haven't seen us get smashed much at all this year. Like, oh, and I know I just, I know I just um, gave Sinclair a lot of plays, praise, but there was five minutes to go. It was, it was like a 10 or 11 points. The difference Carlton were in front and Sinclair was taking the kick in and he just had to go up the middle. Just had to go up the middle. We hadn't kicked we kicked one goal in in the whole second half. And like we'd gone up the wing, down the line, again and again and again, and it wasn't working. We just had to go up the middle and it, it and it wasn't only his fault because no one was set up to take the ball down the middle. There was no one there. Um, but he just had to make it happen. Um, yeah, that was just really, really poor. Just, uh, just that, like you can, you just know in that kind of game at that point in a game, 
that's the score. You know when a team is taking a kick in that they should go down the middle. You can just tell. Um, and they just didn't know that that was what they were meant to do, which is really, really disappointing. Steele and Crouch, two of our leaders in the last quarter, didn't have a touch between them. Steele only had 11 touches for the game. Really, really off. Um, yeah, just, uh, just frustrating and disappointing is really what the weekend was. Um, I thought the Kerno plan worked quite well. So having Battle and Wilkie tag team him um, was quite effective. He got plenty of ball up the field and was quite good kicking the ball inside 50. Um, so we could have done that part better, but really limiting his scoring, um, I thought worked quite well. He got one goal late um, when Carlton were just running all over us, which is a shame. Um, but outside of that, I thought that plan worked quite well. I thought Wood was fantastic. Um, don't know if it's the best game of his career, but it's close. That was a really, really good game. 36 touches. That would be a PB for him. I'm sure um, he was fantastic. And King returning. Didn't think this was going to happen when he did his shoulder again. And he was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good. Two goals, should have had three. Missed a really, really easy one that just killed our momentum. Um, and he did a couple of other good things as well. So I thought he was quite good coming back. we got to get Hayes and Membry in. Caminiti and Sharman have done such a good job this year. But it's crunch time now and they just couldn't handle it. On, on the weekend, they just, they, they, they looked small and inexperienced. Like that, they have had a red hot crack, as I said, all year. Caminiti, especially, who's played every game except for the three he missed through suspension. Um, he's had an awesome year, but th and they just need a break. They're young. Um, they're, they're not conditioned to, to, full seasons of hard footy as a key forward, which is a hard position to play. Get Hayes in, get Membry in, just to see. Just see. We've got to find out if Hayes is worth sticking with. I'm pretty sure he's out of contract. He only had a contract for this year. Um, we need to get, like, just try him and see if he's worth pursuing. Um, he might just be too injury prone. I don't know. Um, but they've both played three games in the VFL now, so get him in, I say. Um... But yeah, God, Carlton were excellent as well in the second half. Really, really good. Like, it wasn't just St Kilda being shit. Carlton were good. Akers was very good, which is frustrating for obvious reasons. Um, and I thought De Koning, I thought De Koning absolutely ripped us to pieces. So Marsha was doing a really good job on Pitnet in the first half. And then they seemed to sort of shift um, who was having a majority of the ruck time. It really seemed like uh, De Koning spent a lot more time in the ruck in the second half than he did in the first. And God, he was so competitive. He was he was a competitive beast and Marshall just couldn't go with him. The the, the impact he was having like with his follow up work to Coning was really damaging. Um he absolutely killed us. So yeah, look I don't know in, until the year's done, I don't know. It when when our year is done, which is going to be in three weeks' time. We're not going to make the eight now. Um, I'll give my thoughts. I don't know how I feel about Ross. I don't know how I feel about the expectations on the list and whether they were met. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm. A lot of people don't rate our list at all, and it's 
like well, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's as I don't think it's miles off. Like just just one. We probably need to change one player on each line. Just trim the fat across the whole ground a little bit and and inject a player in there who is doesn't have to be an A grader but can seriously play. Whether we trade players in, free agency, whether we can make really good draft decisions. I don't know where Owen's final position will be. He's been playing on ball quite a bit and been doing a pretty good job. Um, he will not in any way have the endurance to play a full game in the middle just yet. Same with Windhager. He's been playing half back. I don't know if that's going to be his position moving forward. I don't know if um, Nasai is going to move up onto a wing. I don't know if Sinclair will stay like, you know, half half back, half midfield. Um, I don't know what the future looks like for Jones, for Billings, for Membry, these kind of guys. So it's going to be fascinating to see how much change Ross goes with. Bit of talk brewing around Howard as a trade option. Um, I would not have an issue with that. But if we're going to get rid of him, we need another big key defender. We've got Cordy. But Cordy's still only 195 or something. You need to have a 200 centimeter defender on your list. I believe that. Um, like even like you look at Melbourne, you go, yeah, Stephen May's only 190. Um, Lever's not that much taller, but they had Petty, and you know Petty's gone forward and whatever. But Petty, I think, is close to 200 centimeters. He's between 195 and 200. Like in Harris Andrews, 200 centimeters. Darcy Moore, 205 or whatever he is. I really believe you you cannot come up with a matchup for every single team unless you've got a key defender who is big enough to go with any key forward. Um, like Wilkie is a fantastic defender, but when you know he's coming up against um, who's a really big key forward, like a Joe Danaher, right? He's just going to get outreached. Sometimes, so yeah, you, I, I firmly believe you need another two hundred centimeter defender in there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll move on from some, from some Kilda, but yeah, this is one of the most disappointing losses we've had this year. Given we were twenty two points up at halftime, we should have been further in front. I think it was just before halftime that Max missed that really easy goal, or was someone else missed a really easy goal? Just before halftime, that would have put us, you know, close to five goals in front. Um, so yeah, just super frustrating. And, I'm, and some weeks I think Ross is brilliant, and some weeks I just have no idea what he's doing. I'm like with selection, like you got Membry and Hayes playing in the twos. I bring one of them in. I don't know. Just yeah, a lot of questions. Three more weeks to go. Let's see what happens. Alrighty, let's do the. Dons and the Eagles. This was the other one that was a little bit scary. <laughs> Langford has been unbelievable this year. Like he was training, you know, in the back line in the midfield. I've heard people say he was not training to be full forward for most of the year in the preseason, and now he's, you know, he's going to kick fifty goals for the season, which is just wild. Um, and they may have just just by sheer luck, have discovered something amazing in that he can, he can be a serious key forward for them. 
moving ahead, like, you know, as, as a number two to Peter Wright when he's, you know, back to 100%. So, yeah, I, I, I just think he's had an awesome year. He's, he's big, but he's also mobile. This is what you, when you got these forwards who are in that sort of low 190s sort of height range, you want them to be mobile. Like I was saying, Tracy needs to be before. Oh, God, I'm so burpy. Um, you want them to play the way that Langford's been playing. He's been unreal. He kicked the winning goal. Um, it's wild that Essendon needed to have a winning goal kick to the Eagles. My God. I did not think that, like, this was very surprising to see unfold. Really surprising. Um and I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic they're finding themselves in competitive positions in games. If they'd knocked off Essendon, there would have been two wins in a row for the Eagles, which would have been amazing. It would have cost them the number one draft pick. And everyone's gone wild about, oh, were they tanking? Were they blah, 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 blah. There's no way in a million years any team will tank ever again. After the sanctions that were handed down last time, no team is ever going to actually tank again. And and we know that like the number one draft pick is not always all it's cracked up to be. Like and you don't necessarily want like just one or two really high draft picks. You want as many like sort of early-ish draft picks as you get. The Eagles don't want like pick one and then pick 19 and that like they don't want that they want like pick five and eight and 11 and 17 like that's the sort like the eagles and north melbourne desperately need to bolster their team with a lot of young talent they don't want one pick in each round of the draft they need a lot more than that so you know i think whatever you know the eagles are going to end up with pick one let's be real i think they're going to split it I think they're going to split it because apparently Harley Reid doesn't want to go there anyway. Um, I think it'd be really wise for them to split it. Like you look at Melbourne, for example, who are going to have two picks in the first round. I'm sure they'd like to have pick one. So they got Fremantle's pick in their own. So West Coast trade pick one to Melbourne for, you know, it'll end up being pick five or six and pick, let's say pick 17. I don't know. Um, that's the sort of thing the Eagles are going to want to do. So they're not, they're not tanking. They don't even necessarily want to pick one is what I'm saying. Um, imagine if they'd won. Imagine if, uh, what's the, the mid-year, uh, Marrick. Imagine if he had kicked the winning goal. Like he kicked that goal to put them in front. Imagine if he had kicked the winning goal for the Eagles. Ah, oh, it just would have been such a good story. But I mean, thank God as well, that Essendon didn't have to be the team that, you know, the team that isn't also on the bottom that the Eagles beat. Remember that the Eagles beat the Giants back in round two, which also shouldn't have happened. Imagine, like, the Giants should be a win ahead of where they are right now, which is wild. Um, But, yeah, just imagine if the Eagles had won. That would have been crazy. Um, It's really interesting coaching from both sides, I think. So... Brad Scott this year has talked a, a you know a lot about the the future and he's had to defend himself on 360 on and on last night I should say um and you know they started the year with such a strong 
defensive profile, which has really fallen away. Um, I'm really interested to see how Essendon go next year as well, because they're also going to be missing the finals from here. Um, when, like a month ago, it seemed like they were going to be one of the teams who could do a bit of damage in September. I think it was after they beat maybe Adelaide um, comfortably. I think it happened. Everyone's like, oh, gee whiz, you know, maybe Essendon, you know, can do a bit of damage in September. And then they've just fallen right away. You know, they've now, what have they won? Two of their last seven, I think. And, you know, one of, one of them's against the Eagles. I think the other one might've been against North Melbourne. So, um, yeah, they're really not going that well, but, you know, maybe Brad Scott's right. They've got to be looking to the future. And Adam Simpson's coaching in those last moments. So there's been a lot of talk about, you know, him telling them to stick with a one-on-one and all that shit that he was yelling out. I, I don't know what the the reasoning behind that is. Like, you know, he's he's trusting his players or he's seeing what his players, have, you know, can do. Um, when they don't go into like a save the game type of mode, he's trying to he's trying to find out what's going on. Everyone assumes that that was them tanking, which I just don't, I, just, I do not believe that that is possible. Um, when clubs know what they know about what the sanctions will be, I'm going to get to Port Adelaide's fine as well for the concussion thing when I get to that game. Um, the Eagles have had now a couple of pretty uh, big retirees. The last two weeks, so Hearn last week and now Shuey today. Um, we'll never forget Shuey's grand final performance in 18. Just one of the most amazing Norm Smith medal wins ever. Of, of all the individual accolades a player can get, I reckon Norm Smith is probably the one you want to have the most. Yeah, a Brownlow is amazing, but... You, you play footy to win premierships and to be the best player on the ground on a day where you win the grand final is seriously special, seriously special. Um, and yeah, he, he just, it was an unbelievably impressive game. I'll, I'll never forget on it. was, it's an amazing game period, but what he did was unbelievable. And then he's, he's, He's got like he's part of a bit of history with a goal after the siren in overtime in was it twenty was it the year before was it seventeen when that happened against Port Adelaide I can't remember it was a bloody long time ago now um, feels really really recent um, but yeah just another icon of the Eagles and he's their captain so they're gonna have to get themselves a new captain but his body's just given up on him which is which happens it's okay. He's, I don't think he could ask for much more from his career. Um, probably just that he would want to have finished on his own terms. Um, but, you know, a lot of players don't get that. So that's just the way it is. And, and there's been a few other retirements around. We've had Cunnington today as well. Just an absolute warrior for North. Obviously had incredible personal hardship that he, you know, went through and then returned to football. I've got an enormous amount of admiration for him and I like I, I admire how honest he was as well he said today when I came back I didn't have the drive that I did which is totally understandable like you know he he just he went through something really hard and I, I think after going through it you know he probably you know he was in the latter part of his career anyway he probably just wanted to 
spend more time with his family. Life is short, and it would have put it in a bit of perspective. It, it's excellent that he got to come back late last year and play a little bit of footy this year, um, and that he gets to have a farewell game is fantastic as well on the weekend. That's excellent. Um, but yeah, no, I totally understand why you know he would want to hang it up and move on to the next chapter. Alrighty, let's go to the next game, Cats and Port Adelaide. Let's talk about the fine because oh, oh, I think it's bang on. I think it's you know about right. Um, they fucked this up so hard. This isn't like a, oh whoopsie, which is how they're playing it. Like how is the how has the doctor not been sacked? Who did this? The person who sent Aaliyah back on the ground has to go. Like they've cost the club a hundred thousand dollars because they they were lazy or negligent or trying to cheat by sending a player back out on the ground who should not have been allowed back out on the ground. Um, whatever the reason was, they got to go. They just have to go. Um, a lot of so it's fifty thousand, just fifty thousand, and then another fifty thousand out of their soft cap. Now a lot of people are like, oh, out of the soft cap, that's bullshit. That's not even a fucking real fine. Taking half of this fine from the soft cap is worse, right? If you follow football at all, you know that at the moment. So soft cap is where all the money comes from for coaches and medical staff and everyone who isn't a player, basically. Um, Clubs don't pay all the assistants and all the support staff enough as it is, right? Not even like assistant coaches are working God knows how many hours and just not getting paid enough for it at all. So for Port Adelaide to lose another $50,000 out of a part of their finances that already doesn't have enough money is an enormous penalty. It's an enormous penalty. Um, And yeah, as I said, I think it's bang on. No club will fuck around with concussion now. Uh, 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 No one will. And Port Adelaide have had form in this area. As we know, they won't do it again either. So um, I reckon the AFL absolutely nailed it. I did not expect them to come down so hard, but I'm really glad they did. Um... Port Adelaide got three weeks to fix an issue they've had all year. They leak a lot of scores. They have not been very strong defensively for the whole year. And now that they've, you know, had a few other warts pop up in the last month, they're losing games. They've lost four games in a row after having won 13 in a row, which I think really illegitimizes the 13 in a row. If you then lose four in a row. Um, so they need to fix that. They need to tighten it up. Um, they got the Giants this week at home, but they got the Giants. This is another big test. If they drop five in a row, I don't know what's going to happen with Ken. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to Hinkley. They they had a chance to sign him when they were 10, 11, 12 games into their winning streak when they were the hottest team in the comp. And they just didn't. They didn't, and, you know, credit to them. I think, you know, maybe they knew what was coming. I don't know if they did. Um, the people who run Port Adelaide, Koshy and the like. But, yeah, suddenly his job does not look so safe. Four losses in a row. Um, yeah, lose to the Giants. It's alarm bells. That They need to win a final. I think that is a really realistic expectation win a final so get to a prelim 
whether it's through a semi or straight through, get to a prelim, I think that's a tick on this year. It is very, 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 very hard to get to a grand final. So, you know, asking or expecting them to get to or win a grand final is probably a bit much. Um, Just win a final this year, and I think Ken deserves to keep his job. Even if they make finals and they go out in straight sets, gee whiz, I don't know, he's been there for a long time. He's had a lot of opportunity for success. So it's a tough industry. I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's fascinating to watch. Grand Myers has to be all Australian now. He has to be all Australian. He's getting better every single week. He's been the best kick inside 50 for a while now. And now he's starting to have more impact. He's starting to kick goals as well. Um, he's an unbelievable player. And he's, like, he's just getting better every week, like I just said. So... He he has got to be in serious contention for the All-Australian side. He has to be in the squad, has to be. And that they really got to find a spot for him in that forward line. There's already going to be midfielders leaking in there, which they need to avoid at all costs. Um, yeah, gee whiz, he's, he's, got to come, he's got to come very close if he doesn't make it in. Geelong are yet to have any retirements announced. No... Tui, no Stanley, no Smith. Um, danger will go on, you'd think, but he, you know, he might. His body's starting to cause a bit of problems. Hawkins will definitely go on again. Um, but Geelong are yet to have a retirement announced. They may still, but they're yet to have one. Are they going to go again? Are they going to go again next year and try and win the Premiership again with an even older team? That they they got to bite the bullet and just go to the draft again. Let some of these guys move on. You know, I don't know if they're going to have another aggressive trade and free agency period to try and just top up again and go again, or if they're going to try and keep all these guys around for another year and go again. Um, I think going trying to go again with these these same guys would be an enormous mistake. They don't need to all go. But, you know, probably, I don't know who of them are out of contract or what's going on, but a couple of them probably need to retire um, so that Geelong can start to gradually integrate some draft picks and some other younger players into the side. Because, God, I think if they try and go again with this same group, it will be a disaster because they're all going to be, you know, 35 and it's just, it'll be probably a little bit too hard, I would think. Um... Crows and Gold Coast. It'd be a real shame if Gold Coast had wanted to challenge the Miller suspension, wouldn't it? I found that very interesting. A little bit of political, um, I don't know, manoeuvring going on there. I think I think this was probably going to be a bigger suspension. And they did a little deal where they took the one week and didn't complain about it because the suspension was coming on a Thursday. Right, the, the, all the MRO findings need to have come by the end of the weekend, um, so that clubs have a chance to challenge them before they have to then play another game. Um, obviously, sanction coming on a Thursday, there is no chance uh, for a club to challenge. So, had they wanted to challenge, that would be enormously unfair, and it would probably have to be you know held over until the following week. But because the AFL owns the Gold Coast. 
um, in more ways than one, they were like, here's how it's going to be. You're not going to complain about it one bit. And that's the way it's gone, which I thought was really, really interesting. I'd be fuming if I was a Giants fan. Fuming if I was one of the 40 of them. Um, is Dimmer going to coach the Giants? So the Giants CEO or whoever went all the way to Italy to have a meeting, went to Cinque Terre or wherever Dimmer is, to have a meeting, the 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 Gold Coast members' dollars spent really well there. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking hell. Is Dimming going to coach the Suns? I don't know. I still lean to probably not. It's the least secure coaching gig in the country, and they just screwed his friend. So if I'm Dimmer, I don't want to go. Yeah, the, the list is enticing, um, and I think he could really have a crack at a premiership with that list, but also just, just the whole vibe, the whole culture of that place as a coach, I probably wouldn't want to touch with a 10 foot pole, honestly. Um, Adelaide had to get the win here. They were, they were really good. 28 points in the end. They punish mistakes. Adelaide, they score heavily off turnover or they did in this game for sure. Um, so that, that is a really useful asset to have. If you can force turnover and then score from turnover a lot, um, that takes you like, you know, most of your scoring does come from turnover, but if you can score more from turnover than your opposition, I think that's a really good thing to be able to do. The common race is getting really interesting. So Tex is what, five behind Charlie but Adelaide still have a West Coast to come. That is where it gets really interesting. So we've got a really tight Coleman race and a really tight Brownlow race. Um, really, really exciting finish to the year this is going to be. Last game um, for me to talk about, North Melbourne and Melbourne. Let's talk about the petty injury for Melbourne just when they'd figured out their forward line. Or seem to have. You know, they were going Petty, Melksham, Fenroyan. Now they have to figure out something else. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to go with Brown or Grundy. Um, so I've got, no, got no idea. Whatever they want to do in finals, whether it is bringing Grundy in, whether it is bringing Brown in, a um, little bit of like, you know, people wondering if Fritch is going to be back this week. Apparently, Oliver is definitely going to be back, although he was given us nothing in that interview he did. <laughs> it was today um, where he's just like, like, he's getting asked good questions like, you know, you know, how are you feeling about, you know, the injury and coming back? Like all sorts of questions like that. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, bro, probably shouldn't have got injured in the first place. You know, probably, yeah, just, oh, it's an injury. It's never good. Just, just Jesus Christ, lighten up a little bit. Jesus, bloody hell. Um, um, so he's likely to return. Do they put Petrarca back in there? I don't know. But whatever their plan is for the qualifying final. Whether he's ready or not, if it's Grundy, you got to get Grundy in. Whether he's ready or not, if it's Brown, you're going to get Brown in. Um, because Carlton are serious. Like, if Melbourne have not got their A game on, Carlton will beat them. 
So yeah, I'm fascinated to see what they do with selection now. And any they've ruled him out for the rest of the year. Harrison Petty, which is a real shame, real shame, because they, they seem to have just discovered something with him and his forward ability. So that's a real, real shame. Um, Melbourne are in pole position to win their second flag in three years, right? They should now finish second. They should. They may not, but they should now. It's theirs. They just got to hang on to it for a few more weeks. Um, getting home, like having a run at the G all the way through goes a long way. I think Collingwood, Melbourne grand final would be amazing. It would be one of the best that we've seen in a long time. The atmosphere would be one of the best we've seen in a long time. Um, we'd get an excellent game. We'd get a fascinating game. Um, so yeah, Mel- Melbourne are... They're probably the best team in the comp at the moment, along with Carlton. Um, maybe still the Giants. I'm going to give the Giants another week because they were still quite good. They just got beaten by an accurate team. And, and Sydney as well have been good lately. But I think it probably is Melbourne and Carlton who are the two best teams in the comp. So fortunately, they do play this weekend. Melbourne need to win this game and claim second spot so they can have home finals. Take away those home finals from Brisbane and Port Adelaide, remove them from the equation. It's it's Melbourne's chance. Um, I thought Mel- North Melbourne, that start was impressive. Like, I know they just didn't even come close to maintaining it for more than a quarter and a bit. Um, but I thought it, it, it's really good, even if it's only for a very short time and in, over the course of a whole game, for a young team to be able to score really quickly and really effectively, I thought that was great. I, th- I thought that... First quarter from them uh, would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> and that was, it was short-lived, but it would have been a lot of fun. Um, Goldstein. Todd Goldstein. He's got to be 88 years of age. He's playing excellent football. Him and Gorn went toe-to-toe in this game. And, and I thought Goldstein was excellent. So just wanted to give old Goldie a little bit of love because he's having a really good year. Um, North Melbourne probably need Harley Reid more than West Coast do, I reckon. Um, and, and, you know, from all reports, Harley Reid doesn't want to go to the Eagles. Anyway, if North Melbourne can find a way to get themselves Harley Reid, I think that'd be really excellent for them because he is ripping the competition to shreds playing in the VFL, playing the under-18s. Like, he is an incredibly dominant number one pick at this stage. Um, and yeah, now with Cunnington moving on, Zeeble moving on, they need to bolster their midfield with some more superstars. And yeah, Harley Reid's just exactly what they need, I reckon. Alrighty, that will do uh, for this round's reviewing. Not as exciting as last week with all the upsets, but still uh, exciting for a lot of reasons. Um, it is very late at night, but I push through. I got this done for you guys because that's what I'm all about. I'm all about the listeners and what you guys need. And you need this footy content in your ear holes. Big call for this week. Talked about Ken just before. I don't have a good feeling about this. I don't have a good feeling about 
Port Adelaide's trajectory, this spiral that they are stuck in, um, I don't think he's going to get an extension. That's my big call. I think Ken will get the sack from Port Adelaide at the end of the year. When their season is done, but at whatever stage of finals that is, unless they can get to a grand final, um, I think he's going to get the sack. I think they're going to be brutal, and I think it's going to be strange to see a club that's been so successful sack their coach. Um, maybe, maybe they want Dimmer. Maybe they can sack Ken and poach Dimmer from, you know, maybe walking into this Gold Coast job. Who knows? Um, we, we might end up having a little bit of a coach merry-go-round because there's the Richmond job as well. So who knows what's going to happen? It's, and, and, um, no, just the Richmond job. I don't know what I was going to say. I don't know what I was going to say then. Anyway, thanks heaps for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave a review. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. And I will see you next time. Bye.